You're listening to the Riverwalk, a ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today's message is about New Year's resolutions that make a real difference. It is a new year, and I know each of you are planning New Year's resolutions, but some of them make a real difference, and some of them just make a temporary difference. We're going to look in 1 Timothy, and we're going to look at resolutions that make a real difference. Thank you for listening, and have a happy new year. you have a Bible this morning, you can look up on the screen. We're going to look in the little book of 1 Timothy. I love the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to somebody he called his son in the faith, a man named Timothy. In the book of Timothy, you can read all sorts of great things. You can read advice for ministers, advice for deacons, advice for men, advice for women, advice for married people, advice for widows. Young and old, there's something in there for all of us. And I just kept coming to this verse this week because it is a new year. Do you know who loves New Year's probably more than anybody else? It's the gyms. You know, gym membership just skyrockets come January 1st. Because it's the time of year where we make goals. We make resolutions to accomplish. And hey, I am a... I'm a guy that loves to do that. I write down goals. About 20 years ago, I wrote in a journal the goals I wanted to accomplish in life. Some of us will make the goal this month to change our diet. Some of us will make the goal to lose weight. Some of us will make the goal to save some money. This year, we're going to put some money aside. Some of us... Probably, I don't know, but some of us have probably decided to read the Bible through in a year. This will be the year you're going to read it through. Make a resolution and stick to it. And very soon, very soon, you'll either make it or break it. It'll go by quick, just like it did last year. We all have things that we would really like to see come true in our lives. And every new year, every January 1st, gives us a chance for a new beginning. And I'll say, by far and away, I could be wrong, and you might disagree, but it seems to me, by far and away, the most popular goal is to lose weight. We want to lose the excess, right? We want to change our diet. We want to exercise. Did you know that the Bible actually speaks about exercise? We're going to read about that this morning. One of my favorite verses is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And you'll understand why in just a second. Yeah, I woke up this morning, and it's a true story. I, I started to put on a different pair of pants, and when I put it on, the button flew off. And I'm like, boy, I might need to make a resolution to lose some weight. But then I read 1 Timothy 4.8 that says, Bodily exercise profits a little. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to worry about that no more. There you have it. The Bible says what I've been saying all along, bodily exercise isn't worth much. If I can't get an amen out of that, then it's going to be a slow year. But in all seriousness, what this really means is that bodily exercise does profit, but it only profits a little. And he goes on to say in verse 8, But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I preached against taking care of your body. But the truth is, bodily exercise, at the very, very best, it only profits a little. 
Why would he tell Timothy this? Why would he bother writing Timothy and just including this in his letter? And I think that Paul knew what you and I know. And it's a very serious truth. And I want you to understand this morning that even the healthiest, the most fit people you know are going to die. It's just the absolute truth. My brother-in-law, when he first got married, I met his mother a long time ago. And his mother's name was Carol. Miss Carol was a Christian lady, and I like Miss Carol. My first memory of her, she brought me some cookies. But I'll share with you this morning, Miss Carol was without a doubt the most healthy person I have ever met. She was a Pilates instructor. Her email was Broccoli Mom. My brother-in-law shares with me, he thinks we're so spoiled because his, in his growing up, literally, he got to eat McDonald's fries once a year on his birthday. That's how healthy she was. I mean, she took care of her body unlike anybody I've ever seen. But you know, she, she died fairly young from pancreatic cancer. Taking care of her body as good as she could didn't stop her from getting cancer. Somebody else I know or know of, his name is Steve, and he lives in Houston as well. Steve is one of the most healthy people. Not only does he take care of his body, he runs these tough mutter marathons. He puts his body through the ringer to take care of it. You look at him, you think he's the picture of health. But he was hospitalized last week for a heart problem. So all that bodily exercise, that didn't stop his heart problem. My own Uncle Devon, many of you know my Uncle Devon. I've never seen that man use any tobacco products whatsoever. I've never seen him smoke. But last year, maybe the year before that, he got diagnosed with lung cancer. And see, you know just as well as I know that it doesn't matter how much you work out. It doesn't matter how heavy or how light you are. We've all got an appointment. We've got an appointment with death, so we need, we really need to get our priorities straight. It's good to take care of your body. As a matter of fact, Paul even instructed Timothy to take care of his body in the next chapter, in chapter 5, verse 23. But Paul knew the most important thing to exercise was not your muscles, but your spirit. Because Paul knew that one day even the most healthy people pass away. And that's what makes the difference. If you read up one verse in verse 7, he says, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. Hey, if you want to exercise, if you want to make a real resolution, a resolution that makes a difference, then we need to exercise ourselves towards godliness. Because, you see, death triumphs over exercise. This year in 2020, mark it down, there's going to be some very healthy people that's going to get cancer. There's going to be some very healthy people, the kind of people that I would like to look like, the kind of people that have six-packs, the kind of people that look great will die in a car accident. And you could save all the money in the world you want to, but mark it down, there's going to be some very famous, some very wealthy people pass away in 2020. But death does not and will not ever triumph over your relationship with Jesus. So we need to take Paul's advice to Timothy and exercise ourselves towards godliness. 
We need to get our priorities straight because so many of us, we, our eyes are only on ourselves. Our eyes are only on what we see. And we don't even think about what Paul was telling Timothy here. To exercise ourselves towards godliness. You know, even all the way back in this time, they knew what it took to get their bodies in shape. And here in 2020, we know full well what it takes to get in shape. Everybody here this morning knows what it will take to do if you want to lose weight. It's actually pretty simple. You just need to burn more calories than you take in. You want to lose weight, then you have to watch what you eat. You've got to put your body to the test and weight will come off. You exercise and the weight will come off. But what we never talk about, what we never talk about is what it takes to exercise ourselves towards godliness. So how do we do that? How do we do that? And this is something very important I want you to understand this morning. Why do New Year's resolutions fail? And why do they succeed? And I I submit to you this morning, I think it's a very, very simple, simple answer. And that's because if you want to succeed in something, then you have got to have a strong, strong desire to do so. A person will work for what they desire to do. Paul wanted Timothy to desire this. He wanted him to desire godliness. And I want us as a church to desire to be godly. You take two people at the beginning of the year, they can be the same weight. The one who wants to lose the weight will lose the weight. Just like you take a church full of people, the one that desires to be godly will be godly. The problem is, so many of us, we don't want to be godly. So many of us, we don't want to lose weight. So many of us, we're happy right where we're at, and we don't have a vision for the future at all. And Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, listen, bodily exercise, yes, it profits a little. But if you want to make a difference, if you want to make a real difference, if you want to really, really work towards something, then you need to exercise yourselves towards godliness. And he didn't stop there. He continued this conversation in chapter 6. And if you turn to chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 6 through 16, and we'll talk about that. He says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich shall fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, 
to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Paul kind of closing his letter out here. And he tells them what's important. What's important this year is the same thing that was important back then. It's not money. It's not your weight. What's important is godliness. What's important is that we get close with Jesus. You know what I've learned in, in my own weight loss journey? And I, I've lost a lot of weight. But I've, I know one thing's for certain. If you want to lose weight, you've got to flee from some things. And you've got to pick up some things. Just like taking care of our body, we must flee some things. Let me tell you, if you want to lose weight, then you've got to cut the sugar out. You've got to cut that sweet stuff out. You've got to cut that stuff out that your body likes so much. And you know what? I like it so much. When you cut those things out, your body actually craves that. Try to give up soda for a week. Try to give up coffee with sugar for a week. You'll get these headaches, and your body wants that sugar so doggone bad. And it is a fight. Just like Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. Well, church, if you desire to do that, you'll fight that good fight. But if you want to pursue godliness, you've got to cut some things out of your life as well. What are we to flee? You can look in verses 6 through 10. And basically what it comes down to isn't necessarily cutting wealth out. It isn't anything in particular. It's basically selfishness. What is in your life that is hindering your relationship with Jesus? What is making your body ungodly? And I guarantee you, whatever it is, it's going to be just like a sugar addict giving up the sugar. It's going to be just like somebody that smokes a pack every day giving up smoking. It hurts, but if you have a desire to do it, you can do it. What are we to flee? Because that's what he told Timothy in verse 11. He said, flee these things and pursue these things. Get rid of some stuff. Church, let me just give you an example. First thing, we should flee selfishness in all of its forms. We read this and people say, well, money is evil. But that's not what it says. It says the love of money is evil. Listen, if you love your money more than you love Jesus, there's a problem. That's being so selfish with your possessions. Possessions aren't evil, but if you love your possessions more than you love Jesus, it's a problem. Flee from what is hindering your relationship with Jesus. And it might not be money. It might not be possessions. It might be a habit. Who knows what it is, but I just beseech you this morning to have a desire to train yourself for godliness And it starts with fleeing from the selfishness. Flee from the selfishness of wanting to stay in the bed on Sunday mornings. Flee from the selfishness of not wanting to come to Sunday school. Flee from the selfishness of only wanting your needs met. And start start thinking about other needs as well. In In other words, flee from sin. Get away from the sin. I don't think it's any accident that the middle letter in sin is I. Same thing, the middle letter in pride is I. Listen, if you want to pursue godliness, you've got to drop the pride. Please, church, stop thinking that it's all about you. You know, that's exactly what the world says. A new year, a new you. We make it all about me, all about me, all about me. Meanwhile, all around us, There is people dying and going to hell. All around us, there's spiritual needs not being met. And we are content to come for one hour on Sunday morning and sit in a pew and not grow at all. 
truth is we don't grow because we don't want to grow. We're just like the people on that show, 600 pound life. We look at them and think something is wrong with them. They sit on that couch. They never wake up. They never get out of the house and they never lose the weight because they don't have a desire to do so. Well, listen, church. That is the same exact thing you're doing as a Christian. You come one hour on Sunday morning, you sit in the pew, and you never do anything else. You're a 600-pound Christian, and you wonder why you're not growing at all. Listen, we've got to drop some things, and we've got to pick up some things. Drop the spiritual trash you're putting in your body. Ask the question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if this were the year he came back? Would he be happy where he finds you? Look in verse 14 for, some, for just a second. First off, he says that you keep this commandment. It's not a suggestion. He says it's a commandment to exercise yourself towards godliness. Without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Paul took this example and he reminded Timothy... That Jesus is coming back. Where is he going to find you, church? If he came back in 2020, where would he find you? What if he came back on a Tuesday night when you were alone? Would he be pleased to find you watching that TV show or that movie? Listen, that's, that's a real question we need to ask ourselves because that's how it's going to happen. I ask myself that often. What if Jesus came back? Would I be pleased where he finds me? Would he be pleased if I was watching a TV show about a same-sex relationship? Would he be pleased if I was watching a TV show that celebrated an abortion? You know, a few years ago, there was a very popular TV show that I know for a fact a lot of Christians watched. And the main character in that story had an abortion while Silent Night was playing. Boy, I'd hate for Jesus to find me on a couch watching that trash. But more than that, what if Jesus came back where you were looking at that website? Would he be pleased with that? What if Jesus came back and he saw you doing that drug or that substance? What if Jesus came back and he saw how you were treating others? And listen, what if... What if he didn't come back and you went to see him? That last conversation that you had with your spouse, what if he came back and he saw how you were talking to your wife or how you were talking to your husband? Would he be pleased with that? What if he came back and he saw how you had talked to your parent? What if the parent you're talking to, that's the last conversation you ever have with them in 2020, would he be pleased with that? Would he be pleased with how you talk to and how you treat your children? What kind of parent are you being? Would he be pleased with that? Would he be pleased with how you're treating your friends, how you're treating your enemies, how you're treating your church? That's something we need to think about because Jesus is coming back and this could be the year. But listen, if we don't think about those things and we're happy with the way we are, we're not going to train ourselves towards godliness. We're not going to grow it all in our spiritual lives, and we're taught to do that. Would he be happy to find you using the language you use? You know, it's amazing to me how many people are, are comfortable just talking one way somewhere else, and then they come to church and they start watching their language. They're not going to curse in God's house, but they're fine cursing in God's world. Listen, it's God's world, it's God's house, it's God's school, it's God's workplace. Your house should be God's house and your body is the living temple of God. 
So church, let me tell you something. Start exercising yourself towards godliness. You know, I, I've learned that maybe I could be wrong, but I, I've learned that if you want to be successful with the resolution, it's a two-part process. You've got to drop some things, and then you've got to pick up some things. And I think, I think that Paul knew this, and I think that's why he went in this order. He told Paul, he, he listed some things that the Ephesians were doing above. Then in verse 11, he says, flee from these things and then pursue these things. So church, I just want to tell you, before you even attempt to start pursuing some things, I beg of you, I plead of you to get the junk out of your life. Get the junk out of your life. Once you get this junk out of your life, then you can start pursuing the things he mentions in verse 11. He mentions righteousness. He mentions godliness. He mentions faith. He mentions love, patience, gentleness, and to fight the good fight of faith. Listen, all this stuff in our life, you can't be righteous when you've got pornography, when you've got adulterous relationships, when you've got any kind of sin. You can't pursue that sort of thing. You can't have any kind of faith if you've got that other stuff in your life. You've got to get the junk out, and you've got to replace the junk with something else. A few years ago, I totally gave up sugar, like I mentioned before. It was a fight. It was a struggle. But I replaced it. I still drink coffee. I just put sweet and low in it now, or I drink it black. But you can replace that stuff. All the time we spend looking at social media and all the time we, we watch the junk. I want to tell you, you can replace the stuff. 2020 would be a great time to replace whatever you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at. The idea is, is to get into the Word, to get into the Bible, to change your diet like the, like the screen shows. What are you looking at? And listen, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I really could care less if you read the Bible through in one year. Me and Mr. John, we read it through in 60 days last year. And listen, you can do that. But more important than that is not a time frame to read it through. It's just to read it. A day shouldn't go by that you're not reading God's Word. And you know what's really cool? Every single one of us, now most of us, we have a smartphone. We're literally carrying the Bible around with us in our pocket every single day. Why in the world would a day go by that you don't pick it up and read a verse? Read about how Jesus lived. Read about how the apostles lived. Read about what sin is and what it does to your body. Train yourself for godliness by simply getting in the Word. There's so many here that, that can read. There's so many here that has a Bible. And there's no reason we shouldn't do that. That's the most simple thing in the world to do. You want to get righteous. You want to get godly. You want to have some faith. And you want to learn in love. One of the best things in the world to do is just to simply gather with other believers. Gathering with other believers is a great way to train yourself for godliness. You know what I've noticed? I'll be honest with you. I really, it's hard for me to be around people who exercise all the time because all they do is, yep, 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 yep. I did this many reps or I can do this, I can do this. And they're happy for themselves and I'm happy for them. I don't think I'll ever be one of those people. But you know what I've noticed? The people that are really successful, they usually go with somebody else. They have, they have a spotter. They have somebody to hold them accountable. And, and they go together. And they're, they're successful as that. Well, listen, church. 
It's the same exact way when it comes to exercising your spirituality. You ain't got to go through this thing alone. Get an accountability partner. Come to church. Exercise your faith with other believers. Stop trying to do this thing alone. Paul had a Timothy. Timothy had a Paul. Jesus chose 12 disciples to walk around with him. He sent them out two by two by two. Come to church. More than that, come to a small group. Come gather together and talk about the problems you have. And let others relate with you and tell you how they overcome it. Come to a Sunday school class. Get involved, get involved, get involved. You know, I, I could tell you now after going to seminary for two years, I, it is absolutely amazing how much people pay to learn about the Bible. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. People pay to get, to get a seminary education. But you know some of the same people that have taught me write the literature we have in the back? And every single Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we've got teachers to teach. And it doesn't cost a cent. It does not cost one single penny. It's crazy that you'll spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars to go to a gym to get, to get fit. And you'll spend tens of thousands of dollars to go to college. You'll put your very life on the line to go serve the military to get a free education. But when it comes to the Sunday school hour to learn anything about God's Word, well, that is asking too much to get up and come to learn about something for free. What sense does that make at all? And here's the truth. We don't do it because we don't have a desire to do it. Church, I challenge you to start having the desire to do it. Start exercising. Start treating others the way you'd like to be treated. Start practicing forgiveness. If you want to be like Jesus, then you have to forgive like Jesus. And listen, let me tell you, I know enough about exercise that I know if I tried to run a marathon right now, it would be horrible on me. But if I started and I ran a little bit today and a little bit longer the next week and a little bit longer eventually, I could do it. If I had a desire to do it. It's the same thing by the, that, that Paul listed here. If you have a desire to do it, start practicing. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to live by faith. It's hard to forgive others. But it starts with the step. Start making a small step. And pretty soon, those small steps will turn into a walk. And those, that walk will turn into a run. Start exercising. Start living by faith. By faith, living by faith. When was the last time, church, that you took a step of faith? Faithfully give, faithfully pray, faithfully serve, faithfully be obedient. Live by faith. Listen, it would be so easy. Today would be a perfect day is to say, you know what? From this day forward, I'm going to faithfully read the Bible. From this day forward, I'm going to faithfully serve. From this day forward, I'm going to faithfully give. I ain't got much, but hey, I can use this Tidely app and I can give $10 a week. You know what's so crazy? We, we desperately, 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 desperately need somebody to teach our college-age kids. And nobody will volunteer to do it. But you know, if everybody here would at least faithfully give, we could actually hire somebody to do it. But no, that's asking too much too. Because we don't want to do anything but sit on a pew. We have no desire at all to train ourselves towards godliness. And the last thing, church, if you want to 
train yourself for godliness, it comes down to the simple truth is that you have to, have to, have to be obedient. Jesus gave his all for us, and he didn't ask for much back. He didn't require anything back. All he required of us was just to accept the gift. But he does ask some things from us. He asks for us to pursue righteousness, to pursue godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, to fight the good fight of faith. And look, so many times, so many times, we can't even hear God when he speaks to us because our lives are so polluted with the junk, with the spiritual sugar that makes us feel so good. All that stuff in our body, it, it, it just it feels so good. It's, it's flesh-pleasing to do this drug or to do this substance. It's flesh-pleasing to have these relationships we shouldn't have. It's flesh-pleasing to stand up as a man and fight back instead of forgive. And it's just junk that just feels so good, but you know that you know that you know it doesn't belong there. And listen, church, as long as that spiritual sugar's in your life, you won't even be able to hear your trainer when he speaks. This morning, we should really let go. And we should really grab on. Church, I challenge you this morning, more than giving up food, more than giving up sugar, let go of the sin. And more than grabbing on to a new routine, whether you're riding a bicycle every day, whether you're walking through Liddyville, that's all great. We're supposed to take care of your bodies. Your body is a temple. But more than that, grab on to something that can make a real difference. Grab on to Jesus. Let go of the sin and grab on to Jesus. Church, I, I just ask you, what do you need to let go of? And what do you need to grab on to? It's something for each and every one of us. God wants to do a great work in this church. But until we have a desire to train ourselves towards godliness, He's... It's just not going to happen. We've got to have the desire to get up and do more than just listen. What do you need to let go of? And what do you need to grab onto? Thank you for listening to the Riverwalk today. I hope you have a great week and a happy new year. Listen, the key to having a successful New Year's resolution is to be resolute, to have a strong desire to do whatever you want to do. I hope you have a strong desire to do whatever you want to do, but more than anything, I hope you have a strong desire to exercise yourself towards godliness. If you have a strong desire to do that, your whole year is going to be different. You're going to be active in church. You're going to be active in the world. You're going to pick up some things, and you're going to drop some things. And I promise you, it is a New Year's resolution that will make a great difference. Thanks. Have a great week and a happy new year.